if you have a Bible, uh, let's turn to John chapter 10 together and uh, just kind of staying in that in that mode right there. You know, there, when this all started changing, I wondered, like, should we... Uh, should we change the the teaching and should we like what what all needs to change? And I felt like the Lord was like, "Hey man, Lent has not stopped." You know, he didn't say it like that, but uh, he you know it was like Lent Lent is continuing, and the plan I I gave you I knew I knew beforehand this was happening, so stick to the plan. You know, make adjustments here and there, but stick to it. And so. Um, We've been studying the the I am statements of John, uh, I am statements of Jesus in the book of John, and we get to the fourth statement, and uh, so far Jesus has said that he said I'm the bread of life, and uh, I'm the light of the world. Last week was I'm the door of the sheep, and chapter ten is the second part of that sheep shepherd imagery that we we're talking about earlier. And so let's read. Let's start. Uh, we'll read ten through fifteen. And uh, see what God wants to say to us through his word. It says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Okay, so um, in a lot of ways, I don't really need to teach you anything else because that's such a just an amazing passage, and I feel like it's just loaded with so much for us. Um, but let's go one verse at a time and just kind of uh, see, kind of do a little digging. Uh, verse ten: says, the, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Um, so if anyone ever is curious, like what's the agenda of Jesus? Does Jesus have an agenda? Yes. That is a great summary of what he's here to do. Uh, that there's destruction all, all around us. And you can think of that in any term, any term that you want. Your mind might go to, might go to sin. It might go to death. It might go to, um, the, the enemy, the, uh, the accuser, uh, Satan is what you know, we call him. It might go to your own flesh. It might go to the world around us. Uh, it might go to coronavirus. You know? There's destruction. There's like all around us, there are things that are bringing destruction. And they're attacking the life of the body and the life of the mind. And the last few weeks, I, I've kind of like been in this this rhythm as far as teaching on Sundays of of getting into that word life a lot because I, th- I think that there's a, a lot to it that's very important that that those that destruction is coming at at a, at our lives in two ways uh, things that attack our our physical body and things that attack our mind. Um, so physical body, uh, there's a word, uh, bios that's used throughout the, the new Testament to refer to uh, our physical lives. And so there, there are all kinds of examples of that, that, uh, we see with, whether it's cancer, whether it's HIV and AIDS, whether it's, uh, the flu, whether it's coronavirus, 
you know, we're, we're living in, a, in this like pandemic and it's this massive proof that guess what? We're broken. You know, like we, we need divine intervention because we are physically like, we're not going to make it, you know? Um, and so what a, what a great context for the gospel to go out is this, everyone on the planet is, is being reminded whether they, they know it or not, that they're broken and they're in need of, of redemption. Um, and so that destruction is coming at us bodily. It's also coming at us in our in our, our mind. And so there's the Greek word suche is is refers to all, all the things in our mind. So our our you know our, our thoughts, our emotions that come from our mind, our brains, our our will, like all those things that are mental. So all of our emotional health uh, that that is like coming at us for destruction and. You start to talk to folks who are who are actively dealing with depression, with anxiety, with men- mental illness, which is like a broad term that covers so many things, but also the, the the lies that we battle about ourselves. Even when I was saying earlier that this narrative about God that He's in the He's dri- driving from the back, yelling at you to go in the right direction, you know those those false narratives that we've learned about God, all these things that are happening up here that are destructive in all these ways. Um, Jesus is saying the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. Um, but I have come to make you alive. And the word that he uses is talking about this, this beautiful Greek word called Zoe, which is the, it's, it's that it's the eternal life of God. It's, it's the fact that God was not created just this divine life that only God has that he has come to share with us. And so what he's saying is that, yeah, there's destruction. Your bodies are trying to be like, there's destruction coming at your bodies and coming at your minds, but I've come to make you alive in a way that none of those things can touch. And that's such an important thing. And I hope, I hope every, especially all of our kids are really zoning into this, that, 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 yeah, we're going to get sick. And we're going to have like, like we're going to struggle sometimes to think about the things in the right way and the truth and all that. But God has made us alive in a way that nothing can touch. There's no virus that can get to Zoe in you. Um, and may that be an encouragement to all of us as we all deal with these different physical and, and things of the mind. And we're, and we're battling our way through because the abundance that Jesus offers us, it impacts those too. He wants you to be physically abundant and alive and mentally abundant and alive. Um, but he also knows that destruction is something that we that we're battling all the time. But there's that one part of us that cannot be touched by that, and so that's that like starts off. You're like, man, does it get better? And like, it gets even better. Um, look at verse eleven. So he says, he says, I'm the I'm the good shepherd. Um, he says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd. Who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming, leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. And so he, he, Jesus is, is like highlighting his connection to the sheep by explaining the difference between a fake shepherd or a hired shepherd and an actual shepherd. And uh, as I was reading, I kept thinking about like the difference between like how we treat how we treat a rental car versus how we treat our own car. Yeah, John knows. <laughs> uh, or like, or like when you've been renting an apartment for a while, and then you then you like buy a house, you know, and suddenly you care when people track mud all through it and all that kind of stuff. And so there, we have these like differences in how we treat things that are ours versus things that belong to someone else. 
that's not a great reflection of us as humans, but it's just kind of a thing, you know. And that's what Jesus is even saying. He's like the hired hand; they don't, they're not connected to the sheep. As soon as things get weird, they they roll out um, and and leave the sheep vulnerable. So he says, "But I'm the good shepherd because I'm I'm an actual shepherd." Uh, but really, the the next two verses are really the meat of what I want to talk about this morning. Um, he says in verse fourteen, "I'm the good shepherd." That's the second time that he he said that I'm I'm the good shepherd, and at first it looks he's like contrasting that to the hired hand, but it's it it actually goes deeper than that, and it goes back into some Old Testament stuff, uh, which the more I study the life of of Jesus, I'm like man, everything he said was like throwing back to the Old Testament, which to his his hearers would have heard they would have like oh yeah connected more dots than we do. And so, thankfully, we have really smart people that write books that help us see this stuff. Um, <clears throat> so you don't need to turn to it, but listen to what it says in Ezekiel 34. Um, the whole chapter is uh, he's, he is dealing with the re- the religious leaders of Israel at the time, and um, he's very not happy with them. And uh, it says in one through six, uh, Ezekiel says, "The word of the Lord came to me." And then here's where God starts to talk. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. So those are the religious leaders. The shepherds of Israel, prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak, oh, this is tough. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. (laughs) So they scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered all over the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. So this is not a good uh, evaluation of of the shepherds of Israel. He's like, you guys have turned this into pure profit for you. And you have made this all about yourselves. And you have completely ignored the people and what I've called you to do. And what has happened is that the sheep have have picked up on it, and they say, well, now I want nothing to do with being a part of this nation. Now I want nothing to do with this God uh, of, of ours. And the pattern in that first part of that chapter is haunting how much we see that in our, in our own world. But that's for another day. Um, what he is saying is that, uh, is that my, people need, my people need a shepherd, and you guys have not done it. And, uh, and the sheep are paying the price for it. And so he spends a little more time in the chapter uh, saying some some things that I would not want to have told to me, uh, and hopefully I won't. Um, And then God promises to send a shepherd to gather his people back later on. So in verse 22 in that same chapter, this this is how, wouldn't you love to be on the receiving end of this prophecy? He says, I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey, and I will judge between sheep and sheep. And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, 
and my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. Now, David has already come and gone by this point. So who is he talking about? Well, from the line of David, be Jesus. And so when Jesus is standing before them, this would have registered, this would have probably registered with them. Jesus is saying, I'm the good shepherd. I'm, I'm the one that you've been waiting for. It's another moment where he's like, God, I, I'm in your midst right here. Um, once again, we see this I am statement where he's re- revealing his identity to the people and he's equating himself with the God of Israel uh, in a way that's just really quite remarkable. And so what he's telling them, he's saying, you've been scattered, you've been lost, you've been weakened, you've been sick, injured, abused, vulnerable. Your body and your mind have been so wounded, but I have come to bring you Zoe, to bring you the life of God. I've come to be the door that guards your coming and your going. I've come to be the good shepherd who watches over your life. I said a minute ago, wouldn't you love to be on the receiving end of that prophecy? And we are. We are. We are. Uh, we, he had us in mind as well when he was making these promises. And so right where you are, where we are, we're sitting in the goodness of this being a reality that... Um, that Jesus fulfilled that promise to gather the scattered sheep of Israel and to make us a part of that, to bring us back together, which is so interesting that we're scattered this morning. You know, we're, we're all around the area and yet, uh, you know, my brother and I were talking earlier. Uh, you know, he said, he said, we have to, we have to keep reminding everyone that the church is strong no matter if she's gathered or she's scattered. She's just strong because it's, our strength is not found in those in those kind of logistics, and so here we are. Uh, we have spent so much time gathered, and now we're scattered, and the strength is equal. It may not feel equal. You might not be sitting wherever you're sitting, watching this, feeling equally connected, but uh, but we are. We're all connected because our good shepherd is the one who has spoken to us, and he is the one that is standing as our as our door, and also as the one who watches over us. And I sat in that this week and was like, man, I should just probably end there. Like, nope, it gets better. Uh, hard to believe. So if, if you look at 14 and 15, like to kind of as a group, let me kind of, let me kind of round third and head toward home with, uh, with really, really two big ideas that are coming out of those verses. Um, the first one is that it, he talks about the, re, the relationship, um, He says in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. So he's, one, he's saying that he knows you. And he's comparing his knowledge of you, of you, I'll point this screen, you, me, all of you, me. He's comparing his knowledge of us to the Father's knowledge of him. Like he's equating those things. Like remember when you were taking like the ACT or SAT and it was like this is to this, is this is to this. That's what he's saying. Jesus is to you as the Father is to him. Um, that's an incredible, incredible thing, um, especially when you think about like what we know about their relationship and 
one of the things that went out in the email yesterday with the link to all this this morning was a couple of processing questions. Just thinking, thinking, yeah, let's let's give everybody something to think about afterwards uh, to kind of work through, and that could be something that you do on your own. It could be something that you share with other people. Um, just however you want to use that as for your benefit, but. Uh, but I thought, man, I'm sitting with all these great people. I wonder what they would say to that to that first question on the list, which is is really a, a launching point, you know, off of this idea. So, so based on what we know about the relationship between the Father and Jesus, uh, like what are what are some of the the like qualities and characteristics that that come to mind that you are just really blessed by to think about their their relationship between Father. And son, in that way. Yeah, I think that the one quality that stands out above the rest, and I feel like a lot of the other ones fall under it, is beauty. You know, to look at their relationship, and you know, a little bit further down in ten thirty, it says, "I am the and I and the Father are one." Mm-hmm. And so, when you think about that, and then they talk about, like pointed out in verse fifteen, the Father knows me. And I know the Father, and that word know is a very interactive relationship. Mm-hmm. And so to see, like, this beautiful relationship, and you look, look at Jesus' life, you look at what he suffered, you look at how the Father tended to him, and then how Jesus desired that to be with the Father in those ways when he goes out by himself. And so I think it's just this beauty that, that, that covers all of it. And, you know, we get the word glory. And even the word good, and I am the good shepherd, that, that word good could be beauty instead. Mm-hmm. And so to think of... I am the beautiful shepherd. Yeah. And to see that relate to the Father, it just stands out the most for me. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I'd piggyback off of that. The, the part I kept going back to is um, how he knows us basically better than we do ourselves. And that by getting to know him more, we're better able to function in the way that he's built us. It makes me think about our kids and how they have different talents and things that to them it's just having fun to draw or to do this or that. But we try to shepherd them, okay, maybe Tegan would be good at cooking or something and trying to push that. And so God does that with us, I think, and the ways he's shaped us and positioned us to help others. Mine was similar to what Brady was saying. It's the idea that like there are times when we don't fully understand or just speaking for myself, I don't fully understand what I'm thinking or feeling at a given time or even in this situation. I think I'm processing it, but then I don't know all of the ways this is affecting me. But the idea of like the one who has perfect knowledge and who has perfect understanding, one, because he's all-knowing, but also because he was my creator. And so the idea that he fully knows exactly what I'm thinking, feeling, um, how this is affecting me, what's going to be hard, what's going to be life-giving, all that kind of stuff. So just being able to connect back to Him and know that Jesus is looking at me that way and will shepherd me through every bit of this personally because He has all the knowledge of my life. It's been very comforting. And I'll also piggyback off of that. Um... (laughs) And just the, the knowing, like when we, we talked about the, kind of how the Old Testament like calls, calls, all, calls the name of Jesus the whole time, and uh, how this points back even to the psalmist writing, like, 
I know every every part of you. You know, like that knowing like has been there all along, and um, I just I just love how it constantly it points back to that, that father and son relationship, and just that uh, to know somebody, to know to be known by them, to to allow that to happen. There's like a a giving up of like I will I will let you know me. You know, and it's not. It's not uh, Jesus just intruding into your life or the Father. He's like, no, I'm, I'm allowing this to happen because I know it's good. And he is he shepherds me well. And so um, just those two kind of looking back into the Old Testament, also allowing allowing yourself to be known uh, by the Lord. Uh, so. Anybody else? I don't want to cut anybody off. You know, I think those those like those are such all such great thoughts, and um, and I hope that maybe kind of would will jumpstart some thoughts, you know, for everybody at home as well. Um, but just such a mind blowing thing that he's he's making that comparison. I don't think Jesus makes like haphazard comparisons, you know. He's like, no, I know you just like the Father knows me. Like it's and so. It, it's this like beautiful Trinitarian like community that God's created uh, that you and I get to be a part of. And uh, so he, he starts off with that, that part of it of like, he's like, no, I know you but notice that he says, look back at the verse. He says, I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me. And I know the father. So it's, it's reciprocated. So this relationship is not just—it's not just him to us; it's also us to him, and and that's a, just another amazing thing, you know. I feel like that's one of the one of the hallmarks of of our faith that's so unique is this this uh, like relationship with the God and Creator, Sustainer of the universe, you know. Um, and so, uh, if you know the verses that I read during the prayer time earlier, he talks about. Uh, going in by the door and the sheep and all that kind of stuff. And verse four or verse three, he says, the gatekeeper opens the the door, the sheep hear his voice uh, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. I love that idea. And I've, I've read enough about, I read a lot about sheep and shepherds lately uh, from Psalm 23 and all that. And, and apparently one of the things with shepherds is that they would have like really unique like noises that they would make uh, that were like their own like signature call. And uh, whenever they make that noise, that's how they would, if all the sheep are all intermixed, a shepherd could, could give his noise. John, do you have an example of it? No. Uh, he give, give his unique, his unique call and all his, his sheep would all come out of the big mixture over to him. And, which is such a like fascinating kind of thing. And so he's saying, he's like, no, like I know my sheep, but also they, they know me. And that's a, that's a beautiful thing that happens over time. And I feel like we can all, all of us can, can understand like, yeah, when I first started walking with the Lord, everything was so strange and weird. And, but the longer that you, the longer you've walked with him, the more, the more you're able to pick out, you know, his voice and things. And, and that's always such a such a debate, especially when you're working with, with people who haven't walked with God for a long time. When they'll say, "Well, I don't know if that's him or if that's me," you know. And 
and I always kind of laugh because I'm like, man, I've been walking with him for a while now, and I still wonder that, you know. Um, I second guess that, but I feel like I'm better now than I was 10 years ago or 20 years ago. And so just as an encouragement, that's something that we, we learn to do. You learn the voice of the shepherd over time. And, um, and I'll say this, that's why the disciplines are so important. That's why um, one of the many reasons why the disciplines are important. The, I, I, I learned his voice by reading his words. That's, that's part of how you know. Because you're like, does that sound like my shepherd? Yeah, because I've read it. I've read it in the text. You know, uh, studying the scriptures and that authority that that it, I'm under in that is vital. Um, I I learned the voice of my shepherd in in prayer. Not that you have to hear him audibly every time, but it's that it's that relationship. It's that it's just me and you having this chat right now. You know, um, the disciplines of of. Prayer and fasting, the disciplines of silence and solitude. There's, there's all these things that are possibilities, um, and especially right now, while we're in this weird kind of semi-quarantine state, we all have. Uh, there are things that used to just that we used to pack into our schedules that now we're not packing into our schedules, and now is this br- just amazing opportunity to fill them with things that are going to nourish us and fill our souls. Um, we could sit around and watch Netflix all day. Netflix would love that. They're making a killing right now. Uh, but is that what God would want for his people during this time? Pro- probably not. There's probably there's room for that. But uh, just an encouragement to take advantage of this time to learn the voice of your shepherd. And you'll be hearing more about ways that we're going we're gonna to have some avenues we're going to open up to make that even more accessible for you. But to know that here, here he's saying, I know you. And you know me, and you're going to get to know me over over time. It's just this, this is an incredible verse right there. Um, I know my own, my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. Incredible. Um, and then he closes with this, and I'll close with this as well. In verse 15, he says, And I lay down my life for the sheep. He, he describes this relationship, and then he describes this really incredible sacrifice. Uh, I lay down my life for the sheep. And, you know, it It sounds really noble at first, you know, when you're like, I'm going to lay down, like, he lays down his life for us. That's Wouldn't a good shepherd lay down his life? And that's what I was thinking. And then I read, I read in a really smart person was like, what good is, what good is a dead shepherd to a group of sheep? I was like, okay. That's, he said, it, it's not, it, it's not the. It's not only the laying down of his life; it is the is the taking back up of his life as well. Later on, in this, a few verses later, in verse eighteen, that was fifteen. This is eighteen. He's talking about his life. He says, "No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it back up again. This charge I've received from my Father. So, so it's the it's the laying down of his life." In his death, but with with his death, he also takes down all the destructive threats. So it's almost like if, if there's a shepherd and there's a wolf that's threatening the, the flock, he's like, "All right, I might I might die, but you're dying too," because he knows I'm going to die, you're going to die, and in but he's like, "But I'm going to rise again, and you're going to stay dead." And so he lays down his life, but it's also the taking back up of the life because we a dead shepherd is no good to us. 
So when he says, I'm the good shepherd or the beautiful shepherd, as, T- as Taylor said, a part of the beauty is the fact that he's like, I'll die for you, but it's because I know I'm going to rise again. That's, that's really where the key is for you and for us. And so we're not here celebrating a dead shepherd. We're here celebrating an, a, a fully alive shepherd um, who has also put to death all the things that, that uh, were at one point like a threat to us. Um, and so he's taking all that, all that into account. And so in these two verses, he gives us these two incredible things. This amazing relationship where he knows you and you know him. Um, and this, the, the sacrifice that he will make to lay down his life so that you and he can live together forever. Um, so here we are in the season of Lent. We've set our faces toward Jerusalem just like he did. We're traveling toward Easter and it looks like we won't be able to be together for Easter Sunday, which is the weirdest, just so weird. But we still celebrate it, you know. We might be doing this whole video thing on Easter Sunday, and it does not diminish the beauty of that day at all. Because our good shepherd laid his life down and took it back up again so that we could be alive forever with him. Um, and so I hope that you're encouraged by this and just reminded us of some things that when, when he says, I'm the good shepherd, uh, he's, he's tying in all these things, but he's not just talking to them. He's talking to you and to me. And that's, that is what sustains us and keeps us together. Um, so let me pray for us. We're going to sing one more song and I'll, uh, close this out together. So let me pray. Jesus, what a, what a gift you are to us. Um, we, we, it's just it's mind blowing to me, and uh, we know that we are we're valuable to you uh, because we're made in your image. Like we're your sons and your daughters, and the the sheep shepherd imagery it, it's very helpful to us. Um, but a part of, of why this this significance is there is because we are your kids that are are made in your image. And that image uh, is being restored from one degree of glory to another. And we're just so thankful for that. And so there's so many ways we could apply this to our lives. But I ask that you help us to really think about the significance of being known by you in such close, personal ways. And the importance of this time to practice these disciplines that are going to help us to know you and to know your voice in return. Um, So I pray that this has been an encouragement to everyone that's listening in the way that it's been an encouragement to me and that we're all spurred onward in our love for you and our our devotion to, to you and what you're doing and the fact that we get to do that together as a family is amazing. We love you very much and we pray this in your name. Amen.